It's another Tuesday evening and it's time for us to talk technology. Yes. And also, actually catch up with a few technology leaders. It's going to be an amazing show. Sit back, relax and enjoy. This is City Trends. My name is Philip Sean and City Trends is sponsored by First National Bank. On the show today... So, like, sometimes, you know, um, some ideas may be a little bit before their time. Um, and so you have to maybe put a little pin on that as you build around something else to get to that idea. So really understanding the markets and understanding what works As we continue to profile some of Ghana's technology leaders on the show. So much insights coming up on the show. It will be a fantastic one and you can be a part of it. And it's very simple. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. We are still tuned in to Night Central City FM, and this is City Trends. We are having our conversations with our technology leaders, our top technology leaders in Ghana. And the very first female to join us for the session is, is a lady I totally admire um, for her work within the space and her commitment to training and development and um, especially the fact that she'll be the one responsible for helping my daughter to, to code, which I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> um, she is a Ghanaian social entrepreneur, which we'll be getting into a bit. Um, she's a software developer, and she's the founder of Shrinko Solutions. Regina, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you so much, Philip, for having me. And I'm also equally excited to get your daughter into coding. So it's a good start. <laughs> well, I know she can't wait to dig her fingers deep into my laptop. But um, yeah, we'll save that one for later. <laughs> um, Regina, tell us, um, where, 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 did this, where did all this, this excitement about tech and everything start from? Um, because clearly, it's not something that fell out of the sky for you. There's been a lot of... Um, mm -hmm association with this space for a very long time, but it must have come from somewhere. Tell us about where it came from. Okay, so I mean, it started pretty early for me. Um, and this was because I played a game called Pac-Man. I've said this story like several times, but also my father brought home a computer and I got the opportunity to sort of play around with it. And um, before then, you know, back then, if you are good in math and science, you're supposed to be a doctor. So I had the doctor calling on my life. You know, everybody was like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. Um, but when I engaged with the computer, I found the experience so different. I really enjoyed playing the game. I wanted to be able to do more. Um, and I was told that in order to do that, I had to learn how to code. What is interesting is from the time that I had the interest or desire to go into computers, I never did anything related to coding or anything related to creating technology till university. And I nurtured that passion or ambition from 12 years old all the way up to uni, because at the time, you know, um, um, computers were not very commonplace, you know, we, I, in, in, in secondary school, I actually lobbied um, and got a position as the computer lab assistant just to be close to computers. And I used to play with Microsoft Word and ClipArt and all of that stuff. Um, but we really didn't get to do a lot. Um, so it was only when I went to university that I really got my hands, you know, into technology. Um, and even at that point, you know, my first programming language, I failed. Uh, so I kind of I started to think what everybody was saying was true. Like maybe it's really not a space for women and girls because I got a lot of people telling me that, you know, technology is not a space for women and girls. So that was really how it started. Um, and, you know, um, like how I took it off from there. Technology is not a space for women. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing you sit back right now and you laugh about it. But it wasn't very funny back then, was it? 
No, no. I mean, we have come a long way. I mean, I was literally um, told from, you know, when I started with my interest in it that, you know, it's for boys, it's very difficult, it's very abstract, you know, and they painted the picture of the sort of geek, you know, I would be socially awkward, I have to wear glasses and, you know, I don't wear glasses. So I never really kind of fit that mold. Um, And, you know, I worked in my career, like I was the only female in the IT department, the only single female in the IT department. And I faced a lot of discrimination, sexism, stereotyping. I mean, I went through a lot. So we have definitely come a long way, uh, but it, it was quite a challenge. And I think we, are, we still need to be chipping at the iceberg. That's what I say. We keep chipping at the iceberg because even till today, when I introduce myself as a software developer in some, some circles or some groups, I still get that five second shock reaction, especially as a, as a tech CEO or a tech social entrepreneur, I still get that five second shock reaction. So I'm waiting for the day when I say that I'm a software developer, it's normal. It's not like, oh, wow, oh, really? Oh, you know, it's like, you know, nothing special has happened if you meet a female software developer. I'm guessing it doesn't offend you anymore, but um, <laughs> yes, we will get there and we will be very excited about the time when we actually get there, but does it come with certain advantages as well? Uh, definitely. You know, um, you hear a lot of like conversations around, okay, um, does, does playing a female card help or whatever? I mean, if you are a minority um, in a space dominated by a certain majority, you stand out, right? So it provides you the opportunity to prove somebody wrong or the opportunity to really um, demonstrate that you can deliver because everybody's looking at you. When you are in the majority, you are just like the everybody else. So nobody's really paying attention to you. But when you are the minority, you, you get a spotlight. And it's up to you what you do with that spotlight. Um, if you are able to turn it into something, then, you know, you use it to your advantage. And it really gives you that advantage. Um, so I, that's how I would answer that question, that when you are in the minority, you definitely have more eyes on you. And when you have more eyes on you, you have the opportunity to do something big. Well, I'm guessing those very things you have done in your career, which we'll be coming to in a bit. Um, tell us tell us about um, what you feel is missing in, in the women in tech narrative today. I mean, obviously, there's a lot that women are doing within the space, um, breaking barriers almost on a daily basis, um, discovering as well, testing what is and, and, and bringing forth what we do not even know. But what do you think is missing from, from that narrative? Okay, so I think what is missing is, number one, a steady momentum. Um, and number two, celebrating a lot more of uh, what is happening or showcasing a lot more of the positive stories or things that are going on. And um, when I say momentum, what I mean by that is, you know, there are several movements around getting more women in the space, getting more girls excited about creating technology and all of that. Um, there are, it, it can get like uh, a little tiring in terms of like to keep the momentum going if you are not dedicated at, like I always say, chipping that iceberg and you keep going at it. So you have maybe some organizations, they will start something and then stop or they would do something as a little talking, something, and there's not a lot of follow through. It's not enough to do a boot camp or to organize a, a coding session or an IT session a couple of times, and then that's it. It is a, a constant monitoring and evaluation, learning, re-evaluation. So we have gone through a process of learning, unlearning, relearning. You know, what you think might work may not necessarily work but keeping at it you don't bring system change by just a couple of events it is a continuous thing that keeps going keep doing keep learning keep failing keep going and um, so i think the the missing piece is that follow through like there are just a couple of things maybe after some period some things happen then there's a pause then we move on to something else so you have to keep going and you have to keep supporting uh, because 
when you are supporting women and girls, you must understand that there's a whole ecosystem around their way of lives and different partners and players that come into play. So say like you have encouraged the girl, she went to learn about coding or networking or artificial intelligence or whatever, and she's excited. She took part in the bootcamp. She wanted to really become a developer. Um, and then she goes home and then she keeps hearing this, oh, this is a waste of time. Focus on something else. Uh, but aren't you going to uh, get married? Uh, you know, do this. And I mean, she reaches the point where even though she wants to be a developer, she can't because the people that are around her keep feed, feeding her this negative energy and may not want to support that vision. So it also involves, you know, keeping the momentum around that support structures around women and girls and making sure that they're able to reach where they need to go and they can't do it by themselves. Or sometimes it's even that mental block that she has to work by herself because she's kept hearing what she can and cannot do. So definitely momentum, you know, is what's missing. It cannot be a few things here and there. And then we are like, okay, we've done our part uh, and then expect that. Um, the issue will just fix itself. Exactly. And I'm guessing that that spirit is where Shunko Academy mm -hmm. came from. Tell us about the beginnings of Shunko Academy. Tell us about, you know, um, what it has been like trying to break through and sustain what, what, what the vision was and what the vision continues to be. Now, one thing about me is, you know, I like research, right? Um, and even just before I came, I mean, I joined this call. I listened to the two other podcasts with the two amazing tech leaders, um, Kofi Dadzi and um, Atwell Zanapia. And you will hear, like, they will share similar things. Like, so even for me, um, they, when I started out, I was in this corporate bubble, right? You know, um, Kofi shared about how when he's now transitioned into wanting to drive impact, he was so focused at developing Ranka that that was what he was doing. So when I worked in the corporate bubble, I was so focused on corporate. When I came out, I wanted to work towards social um, good because interestingly, I actually got the opportunity to interview at Microsoft. So I was flown to Seattle to take the Microsoft interview, which is like a whole day interview that tests your mental, emotional, physical, and maybe your metaphysical um, senses that you have with you. Um, and from that experience, I remember there was like, a, there was a table at the waiting area, which gave you a tactile experience. This was like so many years. I've never seen that before. Um, and I was just thinking, so when are Ghanaians going to be able to create something that the rest of the world uses? Look how far innovation is moving um, in the developed nations such that you can even have an experience with your table. And so when I came back, I was even more determined, you know, to work towards, you know, social impact because we were struggling to push a lot of uh, digital innovation within the banking sector where I worked. You know, it, it was met with a lot of, oh, will this work? And, you know, we are afraid and blah, blah, blah. And also, I wanted to see more young people having the skills to solve their own problem. I thought, definitely Africans, we can solve our own problems if we're giving the right skills and the right tools to do that because we have the potential to be able to do that. So my first program, um, I started out with a program called Growing Stems. When I was starting out, I struggled with the idea of an NGO because I was shy, reserved, you know, just like your average Ghanaian girl couldn't talk, couldn't speak, risk averse, everything. So I just didn't see myself as being able to set up this business, I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. It was just like crazy people that become entrepreneurs. So when I started out, I just wanted to be able to um, solve a problem, but also make some make my own money to solve it. So when I initially, they, they, they would say, oh, reach out to um, the ministries. I did that. They didn't really engage with me then. Um, they'll say, go to the rural areas. I did that, but it was quite a challenge to sustain that because when I was studying, I didn't have you know, a lot of money or a lot of resources. Um, so for me, really, it was using digital as a tool to propel my plans and my vision and to garner the support. Uh, um, Kofi said something which was so pivotal. He said, you know, a leader is about, you know, having that vision and then getting the right team. So for me, I, I had to position myself in thinking what was next. And even at the time when I started out, you know, with Growing STEMs, that was my first program, um, Growing Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math Skills, I started in rural community. Like, that's what everybody would be telling you. 
at the time go to the villages that's where poor people are that kind of thing um i saw firsthand how the women and girls didn't really get involved and it mirrored my own experience of being a minority in such a male dominated space and i started to think even early on this was around 2013 2014 what would the world look like if girls could code because at the time there were several programs around you know um young people consuming technology how do you use microsoft word powerpoint excel all of that there was not a, in fact nobody was doing like coding for children or coding for girls it was like and you had to kind of go into university to to start doing something like that but i started to play with the idea that as a software developer myself and only having the opportunity to do anything it related when i went to university what would have happened to my potential if i had started when i first nurtured that idea if i started writing code at 12 what could i have been able to do when i reached university and so um i started off with this program called tech needs girls because i also started to appreciate the potential and power of mentorship because in my engagement running growing stems you know the girls really um were happy to see me as a woman with a computer and um, each time any a boy would tell them that computers are not for girls they'll say but I am a girl because I have the computer so then I saw like wow there's so much potential in showing young girls mentors other women in technology um and when I was starting out you know as with every business you you are you are thinking of okay how do you get your first funding your first you know and I bootstrapped which was another thing that you talked about which I loved I use you know um the resources that I had available to me and also a lot of social capital using technology. So for me social media was my platform to the rest of the world to advocate and to garner support, you know, to come on board to help me with what I was doing. I also um use networks, right? I started building my networks and then using networks to call out to people to come on board to be part of solving the problem. um it 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 was a challenge in the beginning because we went to schools and and interestingly the schools that had female headmistresses did not understand this whole thing of girls learning coding they were like what is this thing what would they use it for it's a distraction they are supposed to focus on their education but the schools that had male headmasters you know were really on board that was a shock to me so i had to even learn to work um through all of that um so with techniques girls we started off with 50 girls we quickly scaled to over 6000 girls across in um uh, across Ghana one of the challenges that we had with techniques girls is, and we 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 moved the program we would come into communities and train the girls but we would leave after the training and it's really difficult to sustain a project when you know the girls don't have access to computers to practice after they will forget when a community doesn't understand what an empowered girl is they beat her down even more you can't just empower somebody and go and say okay i trained you on this you can now build a website you can now build a mobile app bye bye you are empowered no and this is why why i say what is missing is the momentum because what we learned from that experience was that we left the girls in a worse off situation because we came and gave them hope you know gave them all these skills and tools and left them in a situation whereby they don't are uncomfortable seeing empowered girls and so i decided that how do i sustain what i'm doing we had to set up our own space because at the time we didn't have our own space we were going around you know running these programs and it was like working in a sieve sometimes you put in so much effort so much resources and then when you do a post evaluation um mne you realize that you know like the girls have forgotten what you taught them they had been shouted at because now they were speaking up more and you know being more engaging and there was nobody there to keep supporting them you know um and there were no support structures around and we were working a lot with girls in underprivileged communities so you can imagine that you know that was also an additional challenge for them and so i decided that why don't we set up a, a safe space for these uh, young women and girls to be able to keep the momentum going to be able to sustain you know the projects that we were were doing and and to be able to do more interestingly also at the time we had gained a lot of traction so we had done a lot of uh, media for me media has always been a tool for advocacy so whenever i was featured on cnn or bbc or al jazeera or dechevela it was not just like oh i'm on cnn or bbc or al jazeera it was for me to showcase ghana to the world and to advocate for the work that i was doing 
So it was always a platform and a tool for me. Um, and so at this point in time, our brand was growing. We had been intentional about creating this brand. And we got parents asking us, affluent parents asking us, I want my kids to learn how to code because we had showed demonstrable results and impact from our coding program. Um, and so we thought, okay, why don't we look at another model whereby we offer coding classes as a fee for parents who can afford it and use that to offer scholarships to underprivileged women and girls. Um, and that's what we started to do. And then we had women, you know, coming out to say, look, okay, um, you are focusing on girls, but what happens to us? Because now uh, if you have finished learning, maybe you're not able to connect with jobs, you know, you're at home. So what is the point? So then we shifted our focus on connecting the skills to the next step, which is connecting to dignified and fulfilling work. And I know that uh, Kofi also mentioned that, which is also very key. So we pivoted working with just girls to working with women and girls. Um, and now we've expanded. We still focus on women and girls, but occasionally we work with men and boys and also um, the disabled community. And we've also changed our focus a lot from just focusing on training to more of what happens next. So connecting our beneficiaries to job opportunities, internships, opportunities to start their own tech-enabled businesses. And we have a lot of different impact stories. We've seen that our model is working and we are now continuing to grow and scale the model. So it has been a, quite an interesting journey. I think, like you said, for me, what has made us you know, be able to be successful in what we are doing is we keep going, even when it gets tough. We keep going. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. That's, that's an incredible journey. And I'm just wondering if you could shed some light on the lessons you've picked up having to evolve from one sort of part of an idea, sticking with the idea to achieve the dream that you have right now. And I'm guessing it's, this is not even the full length of the dream. <laughs> this is like sort of part of the journey. But, you know, that's, that's tenacity to stick to the dream as against balancing all these other, you know, things that come along the way, you know, availability of funding, convincing people, them not understanding, you know, learning, learnings that you pick up, the tweaking that you need to do to the original idea, because quite a number of people get to that point where they do have the idea, they do have the dream, but it's very difficult for them to tweak it to sort of suit or fit the current challenges that they might be facing. And sometimes forces them to sort of let go of the dream. And so I'm just wondering if you could shed some light on, you know, the lessons you've picked up evolving an idea from one stage to another, sometimes chipping off what the original idea was in order to just make sure you stick with the dream. Okay. Um, so that's a really great question, Philip. And I like how you ended that question, which was stick with the dream, right? So we have kept our focus on the, what the problem we are trying to solve, which is bridge the gender gap in technology and connect more women and girls to dignified and fulfilling work using technology as a tool. The idea has evolved because we take, we, we listen to the market and look at what works. Once again, referencing and building upon, upon what Axel says, it's not about building what is like sexy or you know uh, what everybody else is doing. It is about understanding your market and understanding what works and also understanding when I, an idea's time is due. So like sometimes, you know, um, some ideas may be a little bit before their time. Um, and so you have to maybe put a little pin on that as you build around something else to get to that idea. So really understanding the market and understanding what works for the market. So we are in the position on the ground working. I get a lot of people that will come to me to say, oh, why don't you try this? Oh, why don't you try that? Oh, why don't you use this new technology? Oh, why don't you introduce this? When we first started out, we wanted to go straight to hardcore coding. We wanted to do full stack web development, you know, Ruby on Rails, Angular, um, Node.js. We wanted to really equip women, you know, with the very advanced digital skills. When we started running our, our coding programs, we realized that the foundation was weak. 
you know, the women didn't even have the foundational skills to understand even the basics in IT to be able to withstand, you know, doing advanced technologies. So we came down, we understood the market need and said, why don't we build a stronger base? Because what we are trying to do, even though now there's a lot of um, um, people talking about all these very advanced technologies and it would be great to have a really vibrant developer community of women that can do advanced technologies. We still need to build the base because if we don't build the base, then we'll have the problem that we have, which is not a lot of women that are able to do advanced. And, and so we came down to working on building that base, developing those intermediate skills and, and getting a lot of women to have a strong foundation as we move them up to advanced skills. Currently, uh, we partner with a French um, company that outsources digital microtasks for artificial intelligence. And we have like 50 women in our network that work remotely. They earn 300 euros a month for 50 hours of work, you know, just doing digital microtasks on AI. And, and we have different of those types of partnerships um, that I can share later on. But it was really making sure that, you know, we grew the idea, understanding the market, you know, and now we are also at the point to be able to do more with some ideas that we had, that the time for it has come. And it will make sense now to push um, these ideas. So you really have to understand your market where you are working in, study it, you know, make sure that you are providing a solution that works for that market and not just doing something because it's the latest trend, everybody's doing this or it's, you know, you know what's popular, but really make sure that you are solving a problem that, you know, people need their solution to. And it's that little bit that you spoke about in terms of the partnerships that I want to jump on now um, and the role it plays in helping you to get to where you are. Because clearly there's been a lot of partnership that has helped to build what you have today. Can you tell us about the importance of partnerships in, and the role that they play in helping you to achieve a dream as a technology entrepreneur? So I think for me, when I started off my journey, I was very... Um, keen on partnerships from the get-go we never did anything solely from scratch like even when we were working in Nima so we started off working in Nima and we partnered with an organization there when we moved from Nima we partnered with another organization and we kept doing partnerships until we reached Shunku Academy and then we did more partnerships it makes sense to align with individuals who are working towards a common goal and so that you can benefit from more resources, more learnings, you know, more opportunities to grow and scale quicker. So for me, partnerships have always been key because it makes sense. You alone as an entrepreneur trying to solve the problem by yourself and, and, you know, using all your resources, your energy, all alone is ridiculous. Partnerships make sense. They propel you to the next level that you need to go faster and they help scaling happen, you know, um, at a very um, sort of strategic way. So for us as an organization, we've had several key partnerships, you know, with different organizations that work. One of the current ones that we are very excited to be a part of is the MasterCard Foundation Partnership on the Young Africa Works Project. Uh, we are working with a consortium of other partners to ensure that 2.5, 2.1 million women and girls, the whole program is for 3 million, but 70% focus on women and girls connect to dignified and fulfilling work, you know, and we are part of the digital, you know, ecosystem or digital tool um, 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 section. Another great partnerships that are, are, are just coming up now um, is we are partnering with Agility. We are, we're moving into Tema. So we always wanted to move to Tema and we've partnered with Agility, which is a logistics company that has built a warehouse, a warehouse park in Tema. So now, they have um, a space there where we can run the trainings and move to Tema without even having to go and set up and do all of that. So they're taking us longer to do all those setup things, but it's quickly happening. I talked about our partnership with Isha Hits on, you know, um, we have different partnerships to be a supply of um, tech talent, especially female tech talent to different organizations. So if you are looking to diversify your teams, you're looking for tech talent, you can reach out to us and we can connect you to amazing women at different levels. Um, all using tech as an enabler. Uh, we also have um, a new partnership with NVIDIA, um, which is also very exciting, um, um, To uh, which I'll, I'll also share a little bit more, um, which will help us also bring even more opportunities to our ecosystem. 
um, we're partnering with the ABCDE um, and um, Vivo Energy Ghana. So different partnerships, but all of it allows us to scale faster uh, with our partnership with MasterCard. It's allowing us to scale into more regions to be able to do more. You know, so partnerships definitely work. And I will encourage any entrepreneur, don't be just trying to solve the problem by yourself. Look around. Who are the partners you can engage with? As the proverb says, you go far when you go together. You indeed go very far when you go together. And um, we will touch base on that NVIDIA um, collaboration because it's, it excites me quite a lot. Um, technically, technical ability as against communication of a solution. Where, where do you stand on that one? Because there's been there's always been this debate about who exactly leads the team. The person with the technical ability or the person who is able to communicate the solution best. Where do you where do you stand with that in that debate? I definitely stand with communication, and I'll give you a very practical um, um, example. So, I mean, it goes hand in hand. Obviously, once you've communicated the solution, you should have the technical ability to be able to deliver that solution. But the first thing is the communication. Um, when my husband um, is from South Africa, he was born and raised there. And when he moved to Ghana, you know, he was getting used to the Ghanaian system, the Ghanaian way of, of life. And he's also into media, communications, digital media. And he was doing some work for a client and he had this very um, advanced sort of solution um, and coming off from his background, working in SA and like what he was used to. And I remember when he showed the, uh, the solution to me, I was like, how are you going to communicate this to, you know, the client? And he was like, oh, I'm just going to break it down and say this and do this. And I was like, hmm, I'm not sure you are communicating as effectively as you think you are. So he, he works hours on this solution, presents it to the client and the client is like, I don't understand what is happening here. I don't think I want this. And you know, my husband was so shocked because he was like, what? This is next level stuff. This client is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I was like, no, you didn't communicate effectively to him because he doesn't understand. He doesn't see the next level the way you see next level. And what opportunity is, is defined by the person who is receiving that opportunity or receiving that solution. So you should be able to communicate a solution because if you don't communicate it effectively, even when you build the people may, may not use it, they will not get it, they will not use it as it's intended. So I think the first thing is being able to effectively communicate your solution, communicate what you want to do, and even connect the dots for the beneficiary to understand this is the big picture, this is the next level. And um, before you even work at the, the technical solution, because once you have the technical solution and the beneficiaries don't get it, I mean, you can take a horse to the river, you can't force it to drain. They don't, they don't understand. So they don't see value. And value is not what you create, it's what the beneficiary perceives to be value. So for me, I think you must always start with the communication. Once you've communicated, everybody's on board, then you can bring out the technical bit and then go as crazy as you want. That's interesting. Um, Human-centered design is one of the things that um, seems to be um, very, um, whenever anybody Googles your name, that's one of the things that seems to pop up. What, 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 what is that? Okay. So human-centered design, um, it's an approach or methodology where you are designing solutions with the human at the center or designing um, a solutions that solves a particular problem for the beneficiary. So you are really thinking about, you know, bringing something that works from all the different human perspectives, but really solves the problem for the person. So when you are using the human-centered design approach, you are looking at problem solving from the five whys. So that's part of the methodology, like breaking it down. You are looking at prototyping, you know, your solution, what works, what doesn't work. You are really looking at making sure that you are addressing the key you know, cause of the, the, um, the, the problem and the key solution. So the root cause of the problem and the key solution, making sure that the human being or the person that you are designing that solution for, you take into account everything about that person or about that demographic or that group of people. So really human-centered design is making sure that you are solving the, the core of the problem using, you know, innovative ways to ensure that you really address, you know, solving the problem for um, different groups or individuals. See, 
I see. Wow. That's 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 really interesting. What 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 so far is would you say would be your proudest tech product that you've either created or been a part of? Okay. So hmm, this question. Um, so I have been a part of different tech products, some that my students have created. So uh, one of our students built an online advertising platform. Um, and this was, she was just out of SHS, you know, she had never done anything coding and went on to build this platform. I was really proud of that. Uh, we've had some of our students do uh, different um, programs and projects. I have also been exposed to different programs during my my time working in corporate. But I think one of the things I'm most proud of is our skills assessment tool that we built during the pandemic because it demonstrated our ability to quickly pivot as an organization and it demonstrated our ability to reach out to our beneficiaries in a difficult time. So during the pandemic, you know, we were thinking, how can we engage with our community? How can we continue to support the women and girls? How can we make sure that we keep the momentum going? Um, and so what we did is we built this skills assessment tool that allowed you, know, you to go online and assess your skills by taking a series of tests. And then we also had an online learning platform. We also used that um, platform to educate around COVID and to fight the virus of misinformation. Um, and so you could go also on there and take the COVID test or even watch uh, some animated videos you know, on COVID-19 and get informed on what was factual and what was um, mothers on WhatsApp just spreading false information. You know, so I think for me, I was really proud of um, the skills assessment tool that we built in partnership with MasterCard Foundation also, because it really helped us, you know, demonstrate that we can quickly pivot and we were still able to keep doing what we are doing, which is, you know, using digital to impact lives. Brilliant. Just like I asked Atu the last time as well, is there any product that you wish had worked out that didn't? either you were directly like involved with it or you saw from from a distance so there was one app it was actually and you know it's so funny my answer is so similar to Atos. it was before its time it was a ride um um a ride sharing app for taxis i forgot what it was called but it was being built by a female developer uh, oh it was it had this name which i've i've, I've even forgotten um and uh, she was building this um, app that allowed you to, you know, be able to quickly get a taxi or a trotro, you know, um, using digits. It was way before any of this ride sharing, Ubers, you know, and she really struggled because once again, you know, um, it was way, 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 way before its time. Um, that, I think it was called e-trotro, e-taxi. I've forgotten the name. Um, I really wanted that app to... Um, take off uh, because I think she was just an amazing, brilliant developer. And I knew that she was going to also be cognizant about female um, drivers or riders and how to make sure that, you know, the app, you know, took into con consideration women using it and women being safe on all the different platforms. Um, is there any other app? I think that is the main one that comes into my mind. Uh, there is there any other one that oh there was another one um, but I think they pivoted into something else so it was an accounting um, tool that helps small businesses I've forgotten the name once again um, and I think they pivoted into uh, into something else so um, most of the apps either they are before their time just like Atu said or um, they were not able to communicate effectively the solution to the larger demographic of Ghanaians. Because you really need to get um, some sort of mass market appeal for you to scale your product. Um, and uh, it may start up like, you know, if people don't get it, then they don't support it as much as you would like them to. And then after some time, momentum dies down and then, you know, and you don't hear about the app again. But those are the ones that I don't even remember their names now, which is quite sad. But, you know, there were a couple <laughs> of us before their time. Yeah, that's what it is. Anyway, finally, before I take you, because I want you to, Take the opportunity to speak to female technology entrepreneurs in Ghana and around the world. Whatever it is you want to tell them, please, the floor is yours. Okay. So thank you so much, Philip, for this platform. Like I said, I use media as a tool for advocacy. So I'm glad that you have 
you know, gracefully giving me this platform to do that. I would like to use this opportunity to talk to young women and girls listening or men listening and know a young woman and girl to pass this message along to them that, you know, it's our time, right? And there are more and more opportunities for women and girls. And technology is really your next big enabler to whatever it is that you want to do. Whichever industry you want to be in, if you have technology skills, it helps you stand out. It helps you do better. Tech is fun. You know, we need the female perspective in the technology that's being created. We have several programs at Strongco Academy for women and girls, a lot of free programs. So, you know, check us out if you want to upgrade your skills. We have a community that we build. So we don't just train you and say goodbye. What we say at Strongco is we journey with you for life. So we have um, all our beneficiaries we still engage with. We have an alumni, you know, um, network group. We use Facebook. We use different digital tools to continue to connect and engage. We even offer e-counseling to help women, you know, work through any of their, their emotional or mental issues or fears and help them, you know, meet the success. And we have different partnerships. So really, it's the time for women. If you have any interest, if you are curious, wherever you are, whatever region you are, we are in all, all the regions through also key partnerships with um, different hubs. Um, so we can reach out to you. So please take this opportunity to upgrade your digital skills because you need this for the future of work. Don't be afraid. The only person limiting you is you. Mute that voice that says you can't. You are more than what you think you are. Um, and we are, our doors are open to you. We are, we are creating this great movement. So we welcome you to be a part of our family. Well, it's a family that hopefully my, my daughters will be a part of. Really yes. <laughs> we are waiting for your daughter. We are waiting for your daughter to join our family. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Thank you so much, uh, Regina, for, for sharing these, these thoughts with us. Um, it's, been a, it's been a great learning. Always is a great learning with you anyway. So um, thank, thank you, you so much um, for making time to share these thoughts with us. And all the very best as well. Moving thank you so much, over. Philip, for having me. Thank we, you. We, we didn't get to explore too much on the NVIDIA Association, but I'm guessing at a later date, we will get more yes. into that. I'm pretty excited yes. about what that yes, frontier yes. holds as well. Well, the show yes. continues. This is City Trends on 87.3 City FM. Do stay tuned in. And we'll be back with all the other segments of the show. Let's continue now to the trending segment of the show where Mr. Entry brings us up to date with all the latest news in the world of tech. Hi everyone, welcome to the week's biggest stories in the technology ecosystem here in Ghana and other parts of the world. Today, I bring you stories from the consumer tech space, video on demand industry and telecommunications. To our first story of the week, Vice President Mohamed Baumia announced last week that every Ghanaian will be required to re-register their SIMs with a Ghana card between 1st June to the end of the year in December. According to the Vice President, the move is part of plans to strengthen Ghana's digital economy by creating unique IDs, adding them to the country's database, and in the process, reducing incidents of fraudulent digital activities, which has become a common place. Also, the re-registration processes wouldn't require one to visit any telco office, but can be done at your own convenience with the USSD code and the Ghana card. To our next story of the week, there are hints that video-on-demand service Netflix is considering expanding fully into the gaming industry very soon. Our sources state that Netflix is hiring executives to oversee its new gaming efforts and that the company is considering a bundle of games similar to Apple Arcade. The company hasn't publicly confirmed or denied the news, but in a recent publication, the company said, and I quote, our members value variety and quality of our content. That is why we continually expand our offerings. That is from series to documentaries, films, local language originals and TV realities. Also, our members enjoy engaging more directly with stories they love through interactive shows like Bangladesh, You vs. Wild and other game-based stories like Stranger Things, Money Heist and To All The Boys. So, we are excited to do more interactive entertainment. This clearly states the possibility of Netflix games, and we can only wait. 
to our third story of the week, YouTube has updated its terms of services again. In addition to the new U.S. tax withholding, that requires the payment of 24% of every channel outside of the U.S. earnings to YouTube. There is a new update that states the right of YouTube to monetize every video on its platform, which includes videos from channels which aren't in the YouTube partnership program. Meaning, going forward, YouTube could run ads on videos even though they aren't part of the partnership program and you wouldn't earn anything from those ads. These directives are going to take off from the 1st of June. To our last of the week, it's time to bid farewell to Microsoft's veteran web browser, Internet Explorer. Microsoft is finally retiring Internet Explorer after 26 years of service. The browser which controlled up to 90% of the market share between 2000 and 2005 will no longer appear on consumer versions of Windows 10 after 2022. The replacement of Internet Explorer Edge is currently doing pretty well on the market with faster and more secure and more modern browsing experience. Some of the reasons stated as to why Internet Explorer is going home were capability issues, its ability to streamline productivity and other security issues. We can only say goodbye to the only browser we use to download other browsers. That's all for today. You can follow me on Twitter at YaoNGOSU. Over to you, Philip. You are welcome once again to the Your Tech segment on your favorite tech show, City Trends. Uh, I hope you are doing fine and everything is going on well with you, even though COVID is still around, unfortunately. Um, this evening, we are going to educate ourselves, okay? So, at least once in your lifetime, you have used a gadget, a laptop, a phone, where all of a sudden it begins to run slow. And most of the times, we tend to get confused as to what is causing it to go at that slow pace, especially when you need it for something urgent and then it's delaying you. We tend to get confused as to what to do, what's causing it and all that. So a friend of mine, Anajima, he uses an HP laptop and, you know, he just shared his experience as to how all of a sudden his laptop decided to go slow on him when he really needed to do something urgent on it. My laptop has been extremely slow. Um, I don't know what is happening. It was fine yesterday night. I turned it on to work this morning. It's been slow, slow to load. Um, initially, the software opened, then it couldn't load. I've restarted it like twice. It's still the same thing. The memory is fine. I don't know what is happening. I don't know if it's a virus, but I haven't connected any external device also. So I'm a bit confused. I don't know. So um, we are going to, let me say, use Nanajima's problem as a case study and educate ourselves. So we have some tips for you as to what could be the cause and what you can do to prevent such situations from happening. So we are going to do the first part this week. We are going to give about two or three of the points this week the next week we talk about the remaining courses of you know machines or gadgets running slow hi nanajima and uh, city trends uh, if your laptop is slow or has become slow there are several things that can um, be the cause of um, the low performance of your otherwise fast um, laptop or computer um, I'll just itemize a few things that you can do um, to make it faster and how they have caused or how they can be the cause of your problem number one uh, I will say um, updates update and, and scan for malware malware are all the different softwares that can on their own find their way onto your laptop through infected websites or pen drives and other things onto your computer and they run on your computer so they are going to take your memory space they are going to take your hard drive space and they can make your computer slow so update your antivirus scan and remove them always make sure you are on top of your update and uh, malware game number two check your startup programs a lot of 
programs we install on our computers these days because they want to keep tabs on how you use your computer and make themselves readily available install certain scripts that are always running on your computer and as you install more software they become a lot and they get entangled in the hair of your computer and as it were um, make them a bit slow so um, you may want to run a check and remove or um, deactivate some of these startup programs not all of them need their startup bits running so you can just um, deactivate them number three extensions some applications allow you to install extensions that give additional um, functionality and these also a lot of the times um, are always running when those softwares are also running and puts a lot of load on the resources of your computer i.e the cpu and the random access memory okay so um if you are someone who likes downloading and installing extensions especially in an app such as um, um, um chrome browser that is google chrome browser okay um, go through all the extensions and remove the ones you don't need you don't really really need okay number four remove all files and applications that are not needed if you don't need a file just back them up and keep them somewhere safe programs that you don't use often uninstall them um, so that you can have a lot of space you know what happens is that the computer uses portions of your hard drive as its, as its memory it's called um, virtual memory or swap file to create a, a swap file okay so always it needs at least 70 um sorry at least 30 percent of your hard drive space free so that it can as it needs it it can use it okay um so you don't want to be filling up your hard drive it will slow your computer down i hope we all learned something new at least this is going to go a long way into giving us a fair idea of what is wrong with our machines and what we can do to check this problem from happening please do keep in touch with me send me a dm on twitter the handle is at eadapa the dapa is d-a-p-a-h please disturb me with your problems and let's help each other out have a good evening bye bye That's all time will allow us on the show today. Do hope you have picked up a thing or two. It's been a pleasure coming your way. A big thank you to the production team as well. But remember that the show will be available as a podcast first thing tomorrow morning. So make sure you look out for it. Till next week, my name is Philip Pashon. Stay techy.